Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Do you love the way that God speaks to you in different ways? Like, he doesn't speak to everybody the same way, and he doesn't speak to you the same way all the time. So you've really got to be ready for God when he just speaks to you out of the blue in any situation. I believe there are things called signs and wonders, and a lot of people think that a sign and a wonder is a great miracle or whatever, but sometimes God will just put signs in the way. I mean, it just might be something you read. It might be something someone says. It might be something the kids say. It might be something you, you know, are watching. Well, for me, last week, I had an incredible message prepared for you to preach this morning, by the way, that I spent hours on. And last night, God said to me, you're not preaching that message. I want you to talk about how I spoke to you last week through that movie. Oh, great. Okay. All right, God, here we are. So last week I thought I'll just switch off and I'll just watch a movie and go on Foxtel and I searched through and I just found this movie that was a bit old but it looked okay. It was called Molly. And in this movie there was a girl who had been born with severe intellectual disability. That's the right way to say it now. We used to call it severe retardation but now they say intellectual disability. And um, basically she just dribbled and stared into space and she could say a few words here and there like mom dad she said no a lot she said no when she meant yes and she grew up in this family to a certain age and she was about you know eight years old her parents were killed in a car accident her big brother who was 17 years of age at the time and was embarrassed to even bring his friends home because molly might be there um just went, I can't look after her, of course. And so they institutionalized Molly and put her in this home. And she spent most of her time, they don't know why, in the library of the, of the, of the resident doctor looking at his books. But they, they go, there's no way Molly could read these books. There's no way she can understand. But she would just stare at these books, dribble and, and just stare at these books. So she's in this institution for a long time, and she's 28 years of age now, and the brother, he comes to visit her at Christmas when he has to, and he brings her a box of chocolates every year, and he just sits there, he doesn't know what to say to her, because she's just dribbling and looking at him, he doesn't know what to say, and... So he just sort of says, how you going, Molly? I don't even know why I'm talking to you. You probably don't understand what I'm saying. He'd stay for a few minutes, feel really awkward, and then he would leave at Christmas time. And so at 20 years, 8 years of age, um, you would know here as well what happened. There was a shift in institutionalisation where they started to put people into more into care homes or into, you know, where they would learn to look after themselves more or... You know, so they got in touch with the brother and they said, there's no way we can keep Molly here anymore. We're closing down the institution. You need to take her home until we can find care for her. 
And so the brother reluctantly takes her home. He's obviously now in his 30s. He's a boat builder. He's got a life. He's got girlfriends. He's got all that going on. Now he's bringing this, you know, uh, intellectually disabled sister into his home and his whole life changes. He doesn't want anyone to come around because, again, he's embarrassed about her and he doesn't know what to do with her. He doesn't know how to feed her. She makes a mess and... And so he hires this lady to come and sit with her and just an older lady just to be like a babysitter. And then he asks his friend who is, you know, a little bit a little bit intellectually disabled himself, just slightly, he's dyslexic, he's a little bit slow. But he asks this friend, look, maybe maybe you could talk to her. You seem to have patience with people like that. Could you come around and just spend some time with her? So he'd come home from work and this lady that was looking after Molly, they've got music on, they've got a ballet show on the TV and Molly is teaching the babysitter how to dance. And the babysitter is like this big Italian woman and she's laughing her head off and they're dancing around the room and he just walks in and goes, I don't get this. Like, why do people even bother with Molly, you know? And she's dancing around with her. And then this other friend comes and he sits with Molly and talks to her and this guy can't understand why do you talk to her like there's someone there there's no one home like get used to it there's no one there I don't know why you talk to her like there's someone there and he just keeps talking to her and then he realizes that Molly can actually read a bit she can read children's stories no one realized this and so Molly starts reading stories little children's stories to this dyslexic boy who can't read and becomes a blessing to him And he says to the brother, this boy, I don't know what it is, but I see something inside Molly that others can't see, that you can't see, but there's something inside Molly that I see. There is a beautiful human being inside her. She's so free. She's so alive. She's, I wish you could just see it, he would say to the brother. And the brother would take her out to dinner and try and treat her like a normal person get her to eat like a normal person and she would stand up in the middle of dinner and say let's dance and he says no there's no dance floor here Molly we don't dance in places this is a restaurant where you sit and eat let's dance she says and she just gets up and starts dancing through the restaurant and he looks at her and he's starting to realize there's a freedom that this girl has that I'm not seeing that I don't you know that she's not like us but she's incredible and he starts to, he begins to see it. It's an incredible thing. The guy, is this okay? You with me? <laughs> I love stories. Do you love stories? And so the guy who's slightly intellectually disabled, who's got Molly reading to him, he works in a lab where there's some scientists there. He just like is a, you know, cleans up things, is a hand, handyman. Um, Um, they're working, these scientists are working on a new uh, tiny little piece that could mimic a part of a brain. And they say they've tried it out on rats and it's worked. And actually when they implant it into the brain of the rat, it actually takes on the part of the brain that is damaged in the rat and that that part of the brain begins to work. 
So they, they're thinking, we want to try it on a human being. We need a guinea pig. And of course, this guy says, I've got the perfect guinea pig for you. Molly, you know. And so they talk the brother into it. He doesn't want to do it. And it's all this big wrestle over it. She could die. They tell him she could die. She could get worse. We don't know what's going to happen. But Molly deserves a chance. And so they, they take Molly in and they do the surgery on her and she nearly dies during the surgery and everyone's holding their breath and she has seizures and they don't know if it's going to take, if this implant is going to take. But she comes out of it and after a few days, Molly starts to say a few words. And then she starts to say a few more words. And then she starts to say a few more words. Then she says, I want to learn to ride a bike. And her brother buys her a bike and she learns to ride a bike. And then the next minute, she's just sitting there and she's starting to quote word for word from memory every word that was written in those medical journals that she had read in the home. And it was quite incredible. Her brother says, it's so good, Molly, that I finally got to meet you. I finally got to meet you. And she said, you know, when you used to come to the home and you would visit me and you would just sit there all awkward and you couldn't talk to me, you didn't know what to say. And I longed to say to you, just talk to me. I'm in here. I'm in here. Just talk to me. And, she, and he said, yeah, I didn't even realize that you knew I was in the room. She said, yeah. And you'd buy me chocolates every Christmas. And you know what? I go, here he comes again. He's only going to come once a year. He's going to buy me chocolates. And then one year you bought me a beautiful hat with a big yellow bow on it. And I loved that hat. I wore it every day. It's my favorite thing in all the world. It was the hat that my brother bought me. And then one day we went to the beach and it blew off and I watched it blow into the wind and I couldn't tell anybody, that's my favorite hat. That's the hat my brother bought me. I want that hat back. And I watched it blow off into the wind. And when you came to visit me the next Christmas, I was praying, please let him bring me a hat. You bought me a box of chocolates again. And she started to be used to speak to the medical world and to people that cared for intellectually disabled people what it was like to live inside a body and be trapped inside a body and not to be able to communicate. And she'd say, you know, it's like there's so much noise going on and so much happening that you just have to focus on one thing and rock because that's the only way you can get peace in your head. And everything's loud and everything's noisy. And she says, and people talk in the room like you're not in the room and they don't include you and they don't treat you like a person. And she started to tell them what it felt like, true story, by the way, to live inside this body. And I couldn't help but think, when I was watching this movie, isn't that just what it's like for us before we know Christ? And if you're in this room right now, maybe you've never found Christ and you've never been awakened. You've never had a transplant. But before we knew Christ, we were like Molly. We were like these people, these incredible, fascinating human beings that were locked and trapped in the side of a body a body of sin, a body that was not connected to our Creator, the one who could actually transplant something into us and make us come alive and make us connect. I'm sure there were millions of words inside of us that we wanted to say but didn't know how to express them. I'm sure there was relationships that we wanted to have but we didn't know how to have relationship because of all the 
the, the pain and, and, and the things that we'd gone through in our lives. I'm sure that inside we were longing for someone to look inside of us and find us and just look, just look and find me. I'm in here, I'm in here, I'm longing to be found. I'm sure every one of us would have been like Molly, crying out for someone to find us, someone to let us out of this prison of this sin, let us out of this prison of death and hell and, and pain and confusion and not knowing the truth and not knowing the future and not knowing where I fit and where I belong and who, not knowing if anybody even cares about me. You know, people just bring me chockers, but they don't really know what's going on inside my life. If they really knew I wanted a bonnet. You know, if someone just knew that I love bonnets, if somebody in this world just knew who I really was and who I was on the inside, they may connect with me and reach inside. And then we meet the Savior, the one who looks in, the one who sees past, the one who finds us inside of our locked bodies, inside of our sinful world, inside of our, our world that no one gets and no one understands. We suddenly see there's someone who sees me. Just like that boy saw her before she was found. The Bible says that he called you. Before, while you were yet still sinners, He saw you and He called you by name. He saw what was in you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And every day of your life was written in His book. It was written in a book that He longed to read to you. And He longed to read your book with you. Every day of your life, He saw something in you that he wanted to reach in and draw out and find. And he longed to find you. He longed to find you. Amen. In Jeremiah 15, I think it is, starting at, I don't know where the verse is, probably up there. Jeremiah 15 says this, For I have written my laws in your mind, and I have placed them in your heart. I have put a transplant inside of you that will move you to think like I think, that will, that will cause you to realise who you are and what you were born to do and born to be. I've put a transplant inside of you. I've written my laws on your mind. I've transplanted my spirit. My spirit is in your spirit and caused your spirit to come alive to who you are. Behold, he says, I've made everything new. It's different to the way it used to be. I used to be like Molly trapped in a body, but now I've been made new. I've come out. My eyes have been opened. I've seen the light. I've discovered myself. I've discovered my purpose. I've discovered my God. I've discovered my place. And I'm learning to speak a new language. I'm learning and I realise when I read the Bible that actually it feels like I already know it. It feels like it's already in there because He's written His Word on my mind and He's placed it in my heart. And when I read it, it's like I've been in that doctor's room reading those medical journals and there comes a memory it feels like I know him already. And he finds us and he draws us out. And it was so beautiful in this movie to see this girl 
who'd been locked up begin to discover the beauty of her own personality. We don't even know our own personalities until we connect with Him. Because He's the one who made us and He's the one who tells us who we are and He's the one who opens us up to the beauty of the individuality, of the uniqueness of who we are inside. We don't even know until we connect with Him. And to see her affecting the lives of people around her because of the innocence of the beauty that had been locked up, coming out and affecting all those around her. She still danced in restaurants because to her, now she was free to do it. Now she could do it and it was okay. And now everybody started dancing with her. And she says to her brother, will you dance with me in a restaurant where they don't dance? And he says, I surely will. And he dances around the restaurant with her and everybody starts to get up and dance as well because Molly's been released and Molly's been free. But that what was inside her, the beauty that was inside her was always there. It's just undiscovered. It was untapped. It was, no one understood it. But there was a beauty inside her that would affect everyone in her world. And she started to affect everyone in her world, including her brother. And he's saying, if only I had looked, Molly, if only I had realised that you could hear me, I would have spoken to you. How many times do we walk past people on the street, in our lives, in our, in our communities, that, that, that they're thinking, if you just look inside me, you would find me, but I can't be bothered. I, you're useless. You're hopeless. It's no use talking to you. You don't speak the same language as me. You don't get me. You shut down. How many times are there people that are crying out, come find me. Talk to me like I am here, even if I'm not. Talk to me like I am intelligent, even if I'm, talk to me like I am a Christian, even if I'm not yet. Speak to me like I'm good, even though I know I'm horrible. Speak to me like I have a future, even though I've only got a past. Speak to me, find me, come and find me, just like Christ found us. You know, the sad... There is a sad part to the story. I hate sad parts. I hate sad endings. But the sad part of the story is that Molly's body began to reject the implant. And her immune system began to fight against the implant that the doctors had put in. And her body began to destroy, destroy itself or destroy the good that had been put in her her own body turned on itself you know that within us there's a war there's a war inside of us there's our old man we call him the old man our flesh nature and God implants our new nature into us by his spirit by a supernatural you know, encounter of being born again. I've been born again. I have a new nature. I've been unlocked. I'm out of prison, but there's an old nature that's still inside me that's warring against my new nature. There's an immune system inside of me that's not used to this new part of me and wants to war and destroy. And there's a war going on inside of me between my flesh nature and my spirit nature. And it's warring inside of me all the time. Amen. And just like with Molly, 
the immune system turned and attacked the beautiful thing that had happened in her life. And slowly by slowly, at first, no one noticed, but Molly noticed. No one else noticed, but Molly noticed. She noticed that she went to say that word and it wasn't there now. She noticed that she went to walk and she walked crooked again. Her brother is saying to her, come, let's go bike riding. She's going, I don't want to ride the bike. I can't. He's saying, don't be silly. Of course you can ride the bike. Get on the bike. I can't ride the bike anymore. She rides the bike. She crashes. She doesn't remember how to ride the bike. And slowly they start to realise bit by bit that Molly's own defence system in her body is destroying that which, got, which has been beautifully put in there to bring her out. And she starts to go back in. And they start to lose her. And her brother is there. He's saying, you can't go back. You can't go back. He's trying to fight for her with all that he's got. You can't go back. You know, Molly didn't have much control over her own immune system. And there was nothing that they could do to stop that. And there were some nice things that happened at the end of the movie. But the point of the thing is this. What if you had a choice not to go back? What if you could feel your own flesh warring against your spirit and day by day, at first it's just maybe a day that you don't spend time with God and you don't have prayer time, you feel a little disconnected. Oh, that's all, I'll just go another day, it'll be fine. And then it turns into a week and then it turns into two weeks. It turns into a month. And suddenly you begin to realise that you're going back to the way you used to be. Before he awakened you, before he came in, before he reached inside of you and found you, you realise that your old nature is starting to surface, that you're beginning to yell at the kids again and that you're beginning to be dissatisfied with life because when he's in my life, I'm satisfied with everything. Everything is beautiful when he's in my life. Every morning I wake up and there's excitement and there's like God is in my world and everything seems good when he's around. It's so, I'm free, I'm free to be myself. But slowly but surely I'm finding, I'm starting to think the way I used to think. I'm starting to talk the way I used to talk. I'm starting to feel the way I used to feel. And slowly but surely, the implant that God has given me is dying within me. You know, this morning, Phil and I, were, as we were coming to church, there was a guy that lives down the end of our road jogging. And Phil said to me, he's doing that to save his life, you know. He's an older guy. He's doing that to save his life. What if the doctor said to you, you know what? Your life expectancy is this much if you don't lose weight and start working out. You know, how serious, not just like, oh, I feel a bit fat, I need to lose weight, or geez, I need to get fit. But, but the doctor looked at you seriously and said, you know what, you're dying. And you're going to die if you don't do something about it. How seriously would you take that? I wonder. See, the thing is that our spirits within us can die. They can go back. It's called backslidden. But, but it can be so slow that we don't even realise we're dying. 
until one day we go, oh my gosh, how far have I come? How far have I moved? Where have I been? What have I done? Human nature, our flesh nature, we all do it. We go on Christmas holidays, flick the Bible in the back of the car, I'll read that maybe. You know, I'll pray while I'm in the car or, and then the kids are there and everything's happening and I'm, I go on holidays with these guys and the kids are at my door at six in the morning. Nanny, give us breakfast so mummy can have a sleep in. Julie wishes it would happen more often, but I didn't get to do it that much. So what do I do in situations like that? Like our beautiful friend Bill said, it was slowly, I don't know what happened. I just slowly started to kill me. I got busy. Business became important. You know, my marriage was on the rocks. My kids were out of order. I started to lose everything. Not I didn't just lose me. I lost everything around me. It was affecting. It was a ripple effect on everything that I touched and everything. And you had to make that life or death choice. Or I can say, I'm making changes. I am going to live. I This price that's been paid for me, this blood that has been shed was not for nothing. He gave everything. He gave everything as if I would treat that lightly, as if I would treat that lightly, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the mighty God hung on a cross and poured out every drop of his blood for me, that I would treat that lightly. And you know, you get to that place where you just go, I miss you, Lord. It's not about, you know, I hate the sin. I hate me. I hate when I yell. You know, we all hate our flesh nature. We all hate that part of us that arises. But I think the cry of our heart that turns us around is like, I miss you, Lord. I miss our chats. I, I miss your presence. I I miss your kisses. I, I, I miss your love. I, awaken me again. And see, like Bill said, I didn't just come to church and it happened. Some people have encounters, whoa, great. But he said, for me, I just had to start praying until I felt something. I had to just start praying. Just had to, I just had to do, start jogging. I just had to do something. To stay alive, to keep myself alive and awake. They did a survey, um, well, it was like a questionnaire thing, how to grow a healthy church. I get these updates and they send me things, you know, how to grow your church, how to understand the millennials. I'm getting good at understanding you guys. I'm such a good pastor. I love you guys so much. It's so exciting to discover about you. And... The one the other day said, what are your thoughts on this? What is this worldwide phenomena where people don't worship in church anymore? And I thought, oh, I thought that was just us. I thought that was just C3 Tugra that were just not lifting their hands anymore, not really singing the songs, not really opening their hearts up to God, just standing there going through the motions. I thought it was just our local church. But he says it's a worldwide phenomena what do you think the reason for that is? And a lot of people started to write reasons. I think it's the music is too loud. 
I think we've got too many lights and too many smoke machines. I think there's too much performance. I think it's because the people can't hear sing. I think it's because there's too many lyrics in the songs and they can't get the lyrics right. And I so just wanted to write something on there, but I didn't. But in my heart of hearts, I went, do you know what it is? We lost our first love. We're starting to die. Something inside us is dying. You don't need someone to tell you, lift your hands, worship God. As soon as you hear that music, out of relationship, out of love, something wells up. I missed you, Lord. Even if you haven't talked to him all week, you get to Sunday at least. I've missed you, Lord. I thought my Bible says, let all men everywhere lift up holy hands. I didn't think it was a Pentecostal trend that came and went. I thought my Bible says, let everyone everywhere lift up holy hands. Praise Him with the timbrel. Praise Him with the harp. Praise Him. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. He says that they worship me with their mouths, but their hearts are far from me. He said of Israel. I wonder if you were Molly and you'd been given this diagnosis that I'm sorry, your immune system is killing and you're going back. You're going back to the way you were. How hard would you fight if there was any chance of maintaining that freedom, that, 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 that beautiful life that you found? If there was a chance of maintaining that, how hard would you fight for that? What would you do? What length would you go to to not die? Amen? It says here, you love it when you don't have to use notes. I thought of that song this morning. You know that old song we sang, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus. Look full in His glorious face or His beautiful face, is it? Wonderful. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and his grace. When we're looking at the world, Jesus grows dim. When we're looking at Jesus, the world grows dim and we come alive. It says here, John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Anybody feel any pruning coming on for 2017? So that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Who knows? He never leaves us nor forsakes us. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's right there, right now. You're the one that moves. Never. He never moves. And he says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Who knows that? I miss you, Lord. I miss you. I'm not bearing fruit and my life is not bearing fruit. I can't do it on my own anymore. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. Everyone say, I can do nothing. Apart from him, say it. Apart from him, I can do nothing. If Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the mighty God could do nothing without his Father, how much more do we need to be vitally connected to the vine in 2017? And then he says here, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. You You die, you start to die. Such branches are picked out, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, my words, is, is, I put it on your mind. Um, and whatever, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Whatever you wish, just remain in me. Your life will be amazing. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life abundant, incredible. I've let you be free. I've brought you out. You're out. You're not trapped anymore. There's unlimited resources. There's unlimited potential inside us. There's unlimited power that He has given us to be the most incredible human beings that we could ever be and change the world for Him. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to me, my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I want the best for you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that your joy, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other. As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. You are my friends. Jesus saying to you, you are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends. Everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, and fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give. I always pray this prayer, Lord, let every fiber of my being, it's a prayer of David, let every fibre of my being unite in holy reverence to your name. Let there not be one part of my being that is not in love with you 24-7. Revive us again, O oh God, that we might call upon your name. Revive us again, O oh God, that we may call upon your name. I was listening to this song last night in closing. Just listen to these words. Father of the mountains. Shepherd of the sea, author of the questions that are hidden in me, a voice out on the water, a whisper in the trees, a longing to believe. Awake my soul, awake my soul. Like a river you will flow, like a river you will flow. I see you in the sunlight, I feel you in the breeze, 
I hear you in the silence and in the mystery. So open my heart, God. I'm longing to believe. Teach me to receive. Awake my soul. hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.